Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello everybody, welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow here tonight. We're going to talk about the news of the day. So that means we're going to start the show with Matt Benedetto. No, I'm kidding. We're going to get to Matt Benedetto for sure, to Levine Family Racing for 2019. Great news for Matt Benedetto. Great news for Levine Family Racing. Can't wait to see what he's going to do in 2019. But we'd be stupid to start with that. And unfortunately for Benedetto, he is not the headline. The headline is a... Driver and crew chief tandem that has been together since the beginning of the 2002 season. That's 17 years. We'll be no more after the 2018 season. Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss split up. Uh, Knauss will move to the number 24 Chevrolet next season with driver William Byron. Darian Grubb, the crew chief, current crew chief for that number 24 car, will move to a uh, will be promoted to a leadership role at Hendrick Motorsports. And Kevin Mendering will move up from the Xfinity Series Junior Motorsports to be Jimmy Johnson's second crew chief in his full-time career in the Cup Series, his third time, third crew chief in his career in the Cup Series for Jimmy Johnson. Um, kind of a, a, I guess it's a, a move that I saw coming slowly. You know, when you look at what this team has done this year, Jimmy Johnson's only led 29 laps. That's documented their struggles for the year. Um, but it's just still surprising that, it's happened because these guys seem to get along so good. They've had such a long run together. And after 17 years, 83 wins together, seven championships, it is no more, John. What were your thoughts when you read the news today that Hendrick Motorsports has decided to to switch the game up a little bit, put Chad Knauss with William Byron and Kevin Mendering with Jimmy Johnson? Uh, first of all, i got to give you kudos because you sort of predicted this midseason. Um, I put it in the same category – of my reaction to the day you sent me the text saying Stuart Haas was going to Ford. Something I could not believe I really saw. I always thought Chad and Jimmy would come in together, go out together. Chad just signed an extension this summer uh, for another two years at Hendrick Motorsports. They've been together 17 years. They've won seven championships. The one thing you kept hearing the two of them was the drive for number eight. And the drive for number eight will be separate. I never thought this would happen. The Darian Grubb move, I sort of thought would, because one of the things that you and I have talked about throughout the season was the empty space at Hendrick Motorsports whenever they brought Darian Grubb back to put him on top of the pit box. Because Darian was the guy who made the chassis go, who was in charge of all the car building, sort of what Tony Gibson's doing for Stuart Haas now. And you see, you saw the production, you saw the slipping of Hendrick Motorsports without somebody in that um, chief of engineering and vehicle development that Darian Grubb's going to become as a technical director. They needed that. That was a smart move there. I still am in shock of Jimmy and Chad breaking up. And especially with Kevin Meandering becoming Jimmy Johnson's new crew chief. I would not want to be that guy. 
same way you didn't want to be Greg Ives taking over for Steve Letarte for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Everything that goes wrong on that 48 car from now on, from uh, the Daytona 500 next year on, isn't going to be Jimmy Johnson's fault. It's going to be Kevin Meenering's. Remember when Dale Jr. struggled, oh, it was Greg Ives. He's not the crew chief that Steve Letarte was. And what people forget is Dale Jr. wasn't that great for a while until Steve Letarte got in that chair. So Kevin Meandering's walking into probably the one of the toughest situations you could run into. Picture being the guy who's going to take over for Bill Belichick with the New England Patriots. You don't want to be the guy who takes the place of the man. You want to be the guy after the guy. Because no matter what, the guy who replaces the man is never going to live up to his shoes. Number seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero here if you want to join the show on Talking Circles tonight. Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here discussing Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss. No longer a tandem uh, as the 2019 season approaches here. They still got six weeks together. You know, and, and that you bring up a good point about Mendering. I mean, I think when you look at what he's on uh, this year, he's done a good job there. But for sure, he's got big shoes to fill with Chad Knauss. Um but to me, that magic, you know, everybody used to talk about Jimmy Johnson having the golden horseshoe, you know, and, and it just seemed like Jimmy and Chad would, would just pull something out of a hat and go, ah, here we go. Last year with a team that wasn't great, they were able to win three races in the middle of the year um, and really show that they were that championship contender again. But then they fizzled out towards the end of the year, and everybody thought, okay, they were a little bit behind Chevrolet. They weren't putting their things in – they weren't putting their – you know, uh, their best stuff into the old car because the Camaro was coming, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so when you looked at what he what he's done there, you kind of sat there and said, with this Camaro, Jimmy Johnson is going to be good. And it just hasn't. You know, that 48 team, I've always said, when you knew Hendrick Motorsports was going to be right, it would be when that 48 team started to run good. And to be honest with you, they haven't. Chase Elliott's been far and away the best driver on that race team. Um, and really, I think this goes back to even the beginning of 2017. You know, last year they only led 217 laps. That's not accustomed to what we're seeing with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canales. We're used to seeing them in the high, high uh, 500 to 1,000 laps led per season. And last year they only led 217. Sure, he got three wins, but there were three wins where they really had to work on their race car. So it's been over two years, uh, a good two years since Jimmy Johnson's really dominated the race like we're accustomed to seeing. Um, so I think that that's all what adds into this. Mendering might bring a little bit of a different perspective, might bring an engineering background. I think that's certainly a good way to go. As far as Chad Knauss going with um, William Byron, it was not working. I, you know, I know everybody, you could say, well, he's a rookie, etc. I don't think anybody expected William Byron to come in here and run as, as poor as that 24 car has run this season. You know, he was very good in the Xfinity Series last year, especially towards the second half of the year. And it looked like that he was going to have a nice transition into the Cup Series. And even if he competed for the playoffs and missed, you'd say, well, you know, he's a rookie. That's okay. But he wasn't anywhere close to the playoffs. You know, and he's been a backmarker team for a while in that 24 car. So whatever was going on with Darian Grubb and William Byron was not working. Um, and maybe you're right. Maybe Grubb could be better off uh, spewing his knowledge to all four race cars in Hendrick Motorsports than just the five, or the, excuse me, the 24, what, what was the five, now the 24. Um, 
So I, I definitely think that's the way. But for, for William Byron, it's a win. I mean, no disrespect to Darian Grubb, but you're getting a guy who's won seven championships as a crew chief and has had massive success uh, getting Chad Canals. If you're William Byron in your second full-time season in the Cup Series, I'd be jacked and ready to go if I'm William Byron for 2019. This could go one of two ways as well. Uh, you remember Joey Logano in his rookie season, and Greg Zipidelli won two crew chiefs or two cup titles with Tony Stewart behind the wheel. And Greg Zipidelli and Joey Logano never clicked. They got what? A win themselves. I think they got the one with the rain, and then uh, Joey got another one after Greg Zipidelli went to Stewart Haas Racing. I think they got the one rain-shortened win with Zipidelli on top of the box for uh, Joey Logano. I'm not sure if this is going to work. I mean, some of the other ones you've seen, great crew chiefs have swapped over. Larry McReynolds, Dale Earnhardt. Larry McReynolds was a phenomenal crew chief with Davey Allison. Larry McReynolds got the Daytona 500 win that Earnhardt always wanted. But he was out the next year, crew chiefing for Mike Skinner. And Kevin Hamlin, an old, a more old-school crew chief that Earnhardt liked, was on top of the box of the three. That should have worked perfectly. You look at the super team that Hendrick built for Daryl Waltrip back in the day with Waddell Wilson, Jeff Hammond, and Daryl Waltrip. And that team crapped the bed. So you have where you put a great crew chief with a different driver than they've been working with forever, who knows what's going to happen. There might be so much pressure that William Byron thinks, okay, I've got this seven-time crew chief, or seven-time championship crew chief on top of my box. I should be able to walk, hop in this car, and it's going to be on rails, and I should be able to do whatever I want. He plants it in the wall ten times. He may, drive, he may think he's overdriving his talent with it because he thinks the car is that good. Or it might be one of those ones that Chad will say one thing that he's used to telling Jimmy, Byron just doesn't understand. I'm not sure how much of it this year, the struggles of the 24, was Darian Grubb. I think some of it, William Byron was out to lunch with that extra horsepower that they have in those cup cars compared to what they have in the Xfinity cars. I think some of it, he was just out to lunch because he was in over his head. Uh, you look, some of the other guys who've come up, Chase, Chase Elliott wasn't great his first year. Uh, Kyle Larson wasn't great his first year. It takes a little bit to get the understanding of the cup car coming from Xfinity. You can go back and be phenomenal, but coming up is not going to be anything special. Joey Logano turned out something special. Brad Keselowski wasn't anything great his first year in the cup season. So you're looking at crew chief changes and driver changes. I'm not sure this is going to be something magic where the light bulb clicks on for William Byron. I think it may be the same, if not a half a step back the first half of next season. That's an interesting point, for sure. Uh, you know, and let's look at this from another perspective, too, as well. You know, I, I put on our Facebook wall today um, that this is the only the second time in history that a crew chief and a driver who have won seven championships together have split up. We've seen it. Back in 1981, right after the 1981 Daytona 500, Dale Inman and Richard Petty split up, shocking the NASCAR world, going, whoa, Dale Inman and Richard Petty, they they're, they belong together. They're like peanut butter and jelly. You know, they they belong together. They're what makes NASCAR right. 
and for a lot of years, they were apart. You know, Dale Inman went on, and he worked for Rod Osterlin, and then he went and worked um, for Billy Hagan and won a championship with Terry Labonte in 1984. Richard Petty left the family team after 1983, went to Mike Beam, won his two, or, uh, went to Mike Kerr, won his 200th race there, and then his career went back to D- P- Petty Enterprises a couple of years later. His career was never the same after that. Um, I guess what my question is, and this is a completely different situation because that, that was a solo corporation. Richard was uh, about 50 years old. Jimmy's not there yet. Um, and that was a team, I think, more of, of Petty Enterprises that was a little bit uh, just not up with the times at that point in the 80s. Here's a team, Hendrick Motorsports, which they're still for corporation. They're still a powerhouse organization. I guess my question to you is, if one of them wins eight, John, if if one of either Jimmy Johnson or Chad Canals wins the eighth championship, who do you think is more likely to do it? Neither. Um, one of the things where we you said about it is Petty Enterprises fell behind the times a little bit. I'm not sure. I know Rick Hendrick has a ton of people in there. He's got a ton of equipment. He's got a ton of stuff going on. But I think Hendrick Motorsports has started to fall a little bit behind the times. Um, They were the last team of the big team to get their own optical scanning station. And you saw the performance pick up a little bit this summer when they finally got the OSS system. But they were the last cup team, big time cup team, to buy their own OSS. The other thing is you look at the talent they had sitting in that um, meeting room on Mondays when they had their debrief. It used to be the four cars from Stuart or the three cars from four, four cars from Stuart Haas, even though I don't count Danica as any contribution, but you used to have Tony Stewart. You used to have um, Kevin Harvick. You used to have Kurt Busch in there. You used to have Jeff Gordon in there, Jimmy Johnson. Dale Earnhardt Jr., Casey Kane, those are seven guys who have won a boatload of cup races. And then you had their seven crew chiefs. That's a lot of talent in there figuring out what was right, what was wrong with the cars. And plus you had the Darien Grubbs building the chassis, making sure the vehicle operation was the way it was supposed to be. Right now you've got Jimmy Johnson, you've got Chase Elliott who's figuring it out, you got William Byron, who, from what I've heard, is pretty good with the chassis, understands a lot because of how much testing and simulation he did last year. And you've got William Byron. There's no Stuart Haas group there anymore. Kyle Larson and his team, they don't go to the Hendrick meeting. They get engines from Hendrick, but they build their own chassis. So it's not the meeting that it used to be. It's not the seven brains in the room plus grub plus the other smart people in the engineering department of Hendrick Motorsports, it's not seven multi-winning championship-type drivers that you had in there. Now you got Jimmy Johnson and three kids. So I think a lot of Hendrick Motorsports slippage is because of the talent in the room that isn't there right now. And until that talent starts rising to the top, I'm not sure I could see either of them winning a championship again. I don't think William Byron's close to being ready. And I'm not sure what Kevin Meandering can do for Jimmy Johnson. If you're going to be the crew chief of Jimmy Johnson, 
and you're a first-time crew chief, do you have the stones to go up and grab him by the back of the back of the uniform and say, this is how the car is going to be, figure out a way to drive it? Or are you going to just go, okay, Jimmy wants this. It's still not working, but this is what Jimmy wants. He says it feels good, and it feels good in 15th place. Is a first-time crew chief who won three races in the Xfinity Series with uh, Elliot Sadler. Is he going to have the stones to grab Jimmy Johnson by the back of the uh, fire suit and say, this is the car you have. Figure out how to run it. And I don't think he will. It's going to be interesting to see for sure. I mean, they, they obviously feel very high on him to move him to Jimmy Johnson's team. Um, you know, not that, uh, you know, they obviously feel very high on him. They, I don't think they would have moved Kevin Meandering up here if they thought, well, you know, he doesn't deserve it. I, obviously, they moved him up here because they think he deserves it, and he's going to run very good. And obviously, Sadler's out at the end of the year, um, you know, with with retirement. So they they got Noah Gregson going in there, and they're probably going to shuffle some crew chiefs over there to New Motorsports. But, uh, listen, he, he's ready, and it's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on, you know. Um uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what this does. I, I just think it's, a, it's such a huge, huge move. And when I go back to the question I asked you earlier about who gets the eighth championship, it very could well be neither. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to watch to see. If, you know, Rick's a guy, Rick Hendrick has been a guy who always seems to push the right button, put people in the right spots. That's what a lot of people have said about him, have been the greatest thing about Rick Hendrick. He knows how to put people in the right spot to make it work. Uh, he's a people person. He just knows how to do it. He knows how to build a team, knows how to build a business. And he obviously saw something was amiss on that 48 car this year. I think Chase and that nine team has been pretty good this year. They haven't been great. I'm not saying they're a championship contender. We're going to get into that when we break down Dover towards the tail end of the show about where, where the championship chances hold right now. Um, but they've been pretty good this year, and that 48 has been nowhere near that nine. So I think that was a little bit alarming saying – yeah, okay, you know, I, I might – I don't expect the 88 and the 24 to be right where that 9 is because we got a, a young kid in Bowman who's just learned how to drive these these fast race cars, and we got a rookie in William Byron who's learning how to do this. So I don't expect them to be right up with Chase Elliott in year one. But that 48 car is no excuses. And that's our breadwinning team. That's the team we need to really get running good. And I think that's the um, – that's thing to keep an eye on as the season goes along. Uh, as next season goes along. The one thing, you know, like, the one thing at, that sort of shocked me is the yeah. pick of Kevin Meandering. He is at the top crew chief at Junior Motorsports right now. Jason Burdett has Justin Allgaier running so much better than Elliot Sadler. Why not Jason Burdett? He's crew chief in Justin Allgaier's team. They're one of the teams to beat between Allgaier and Eric Jones. They're the two teams you watch out for when it comes to the Xfinity Series. Why not Burdett instead of Meandering? What went into that decision? And the other thing that's sort of my wondering is, whose idea was this? Was it Mr. Hendricks? Was it Chad's? Was it Jimmy's? Somebody, and I don't think, I honestly don't think it was Rick. I don't think Rick Hendrick just changes crew chiefs to change crew chiefs. I think I it was either Chad said, I got to do something different. Or Jimmy said, we're just not communicating well. Um, and the one thing that could be interesting is there's a lot of times and you hear everybody talk about 
Jimmy Johnson's career. Jimmy is a great driver. Jimmy has 83 wins. Jimmy has seven championships. But a lot of times, I mean, you look at Richard Petty. When he won his seven championships, he won them with Dale Inman. But you didn't hear anybody going, well, Dale Inman put the car together and Dale Inman did that. Everything you heard about when Jimmy Johnson, every time he won or every time he did anything, Chad Chad Knauss made that happen. It's all mm-hmm. Chad's doing. There's so much of this might be Jimmy Johnson's chance to prove himself, even though he's got seven championships and 83 wins. Jimmy Johnson might look at this as a chance to say, okay, I won these damn championships. I'm the guy with the helmet on, the steering wheel in my hand. It's me. So it'll be really interesting to see how Johnson attacks the 2019 season. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think a lot of people have that sentiment that Jimmy would be nothing without Chad, uh, you know, because Chad's that good of a crew chief. And this is an opportunity for him, I think. If he goes out and wins championship number eight without Chad Canals, I think people will look at him and go, wow. You know, we didn't really expect that to come from him. Um, and, you know, you could say what you want, but Jimmy's getting up there in the, in the age department. And, and, listen, I was surprised that Chad re-signed. With uh, I thought for sure early in the year that Chad Canals and Jimmy Johnson – or Chad Canals is going to retire at the end of the year. I think he has a baby or, or baby's on the way. So I thought for sure, okay, he's going to want to take some time and settle down. But um, he, he decided to re-sign a two-year deal, and it was like, okay, they're going to go at this championship number eight for two more years. Um, but I think they're both very, very frustrated about what's going on with with the race car. And I'm not sure if the Charlotte Roble had anything to do with it, where Chad was frustrated with Jimmy's move there, or what, or vice versa. You know, that was a that was a, a gutsy move by Jimmy Johnson. Maybe Chad said, "Listen, you know." you got to use your head and be smarter, and I can't deal with this anymore. Um, you know, you were in the playoffs, and we had everything going great. And you decided to go for a win. Maybe Chad looked at it and said, you got to think about big picture. And you know what? With everything going on this season, that was the final straw. Now, I don't think moves like this, these catastrophic big moves, happen within a week. But maybe it sort of – they've been thinking about it for a while, and it sort of happened. Now – Again, I don't think these moves happen. I don't think you have made Kevin, the Kevin Mendering decision a week. Um, so, but who knows? I mean, it could have that could have been a boiling point. I don't know. Uh, we'll wait and see. But it's going to be very interesting to, to, to see what happens with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss because in, in in the future because these two have been tied so closely together for so long, and uh, it's going to be hard to see Chad on a different pit box and hear a different voice in Jimmy Johnson's radio as the season goes along in 2019. 917-889-8280. Another silly season move that's sort of been buried here is uh, Levine Family Racing. They announced a driver and a manufacturer change for the 2019 season. The team will be moving to Toyota. They're going to have alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing, run TRD engines, and their driver is a former Joe Gibbs Racing development driver, Matt DiBenedetto. DiBenedetto announced a couple of weeks ago more closely probably to a month ago, that he would not re-sign at Go Fast Racing next season. Uh, and a lot of people speculated where he might go. The 41 was up there. A lot of people thought, well, maybe that's a one-year deal until Custer's ready. Um, but it is indeed the 95 Toyota at Levine Family Racing. Bob Levine, who um, came out today and said he offered Casey Kane a two-year contract, and Kane decided not to sign it. 
with Toyota on a table, and that kind of had to force them to regroup. Matt DiBenedetto came up to him in the middle of the year at a racetrack and said, hey, I want to drive your race cars next season. That stuck with Bob Levine. He, he was happy about that and said, okay, Matt DiBenedetto's our guy. Uh, he's a very popular race car driver, Matt DiBenedetto. He has shown he, he can run um, better than the equipment shown. This is a big opportunity for him now. This is something you wait your entire career for. Now, keep in mind, I don't think this is going to be uh, the 78 car and Furniture Racing 2.0. I don't think that alliance is going to be as close as it was. That's basically what they said in the press conference today, as it was with uh, Furniture Racing, as it is going to be with Levine Family Racing. But still, Joe gives racing chassis, PRD engines. Uh, this is a huge step in the right direction for Matthew Benedetto, and I'm Curious to see how this 2019 season happens for DiBenedetto. What were your thoughts when you read that today? Um, first of all, I feel bad for Matt, B, Matt DiBenedetto. Here he is, his big day. He's going to line up with Toyota. He's lining up with a team that is partnering with a championship caliber team. Here's Matt DiBenedetto's big break in his career. And what happens about an hour later Rick Hendrick announces that Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss are not going to be together for 2019. So first of all, I feel bad for Matt DiBenedetto. The second person I kind of feel bad for is Regan Smith. Regan Smith has stepped into Casey Kane's car and run really well with it. He's run as good, if not a little better, than Casey Kane did in that 95 car while he's been filling in. And it was announced today also that Regan Smith will finish out the season in the 95 car. Um, I kind of feel bad for him out of it. I also feel bad for Casey Kane that um, he hasn't been medically cleared to finish out or even come back at all this season. It's sad that his career ended the way that it did. Um, he'll be able to go drive sprint cars because they're shorter races, open cockpits, be able to get air in there. He won't overheat. But it's a shame that Casey Kane's uh, career ended the way it did. Now, I also feel really good for Matt Benedetto. Here's the opportunity of a lifetime. You're getting Gibbs stuff. You're getting TRD engines. You know his engines are going to be a hell of a lot more reliable and have more horses, more ponies under the hood than the Go Fast stuff did. He's got better chassis than he ever dreamed of at Go Fast Racing. Ten to one, his chassis at Go Fast Racing are three to four years old that were bought off of the scrap heap at Penske Motor or Penske Racing. It's a big, big chance for Matt B, Matt D. Benedetto to be a star. It's also a big, big chance for Matt D. Benedetto to show he has no business being in the Cup Series. He right. can it's, it's get along running 30th he can get along running 30th place and go fast and not harm anybody and say, hey, I got more out of my car because it should have been the 35th, which is phenomenal. You're getting given stuff. And I know it's not going to be Furniture Road 2.0. I don't think they're going to let the Levine family racing into the Gibbs meetings and stuff like they did before, but they're still getting Gibbs stuff. And one of the things that Joe Gibbs and his folks do, they don't give, I mean, they don't sell crap because, I mean, they want other people to buy it whenever it comes time. So they want to make sure that they're putting top-notch stuff out there for Matt D. Benedetta. Plus, Toyota has a big interest if we're going to put toyota on the hood of the car if we're going to put a trd engine underneath the car we want the car to run good we only have a few and we want them all to be competitive 
This is make or break time for Matt D. Benedetto. Yeah, this is an opportunity you wait your entire career for. There's no doubt about that. And this is a guy, and let's let's establish the Matt D. Benedetto career path here. Because, listen, he was pretty much out of NASCAR, I mean, for a little while. He started off his career early, and I remember him, you know, it doesn't seem like that long ago that he was driving a development deal for Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity Series on a part-time deal uh, back, I believe it was the 2009 season, and 2010 seasons. And he did okay, wasn't terrific, but then it fell apart after that. He was out of NASCAR, uh, came back, um, starting and parking really for Curtis Key Racing and, and, and the 40 car in the Xfinity Series. Um, you know, did that for a couple of years, starting and parking, got an opportunity um, at BK Racing, who give Ron Devine credit as – uh, big of a black eye he left in his exit of this sport. You know, Ron Devine basically gave us what today what Matthew Benedetto is. I mean, if BK Racing didn't listen to Joe Gibbs Racing, and Joe Gibbs came up to him and said, "Listen," they came to Joe Gibbs and said, "Listen, what do you think about this D. Benedetto kid?" They said, "Sign him; he's great." Um, and Johnny Sauter in 2015 ran the, I believe it was the 83 car at Daytona that year. Benedetto is going to run a, a few races here and there. Well, he did so good in his races that they said, we're going to run you full-time. He ran full-time uh, in the 2015 season and the 2016 season for BK Racing before moving to Go Fast. I thought he had a very good year at Go Fast Racing in 2017, um, and I think they've taken a huge step back in 2018, and I think Dee Benedetto felt that as well. That's why he wanted to leave. But for a guy who was basically at a NASCAR. And this goes to every kid and every driver out there who says, I'm not going to sit there and run in bad equipment. I refuse to do that. I refuse to start and park. You know what? You've got to do what you've got to do to stay in the sport. And Matthew Mandetto, it's a very unconventional way. He was out, came back, started and parked for three years, got an opportunity with a small cup team, got another opportunity with a better cup team, but a small cup team, and now he's in a mid-pack, maybe to top-tier ride in the Cup Series for 2019. It's a great, great sign to see because this is a guy, again, who was out of NASCAR a very unconventional way, and great to see D. Benedetto get this opportunity. Well, one of the things I look at it, and, again, it's a great opportunity for Matt D. Benedetto. His story is phenomenal. Whenever he finished, what, fifth or sixth at Bristol that year for Ron Devine, you would have thought he won the cup championship. He's in tears on uh, pit road, Ron Devine slipping out all over himself. It was one for the little team. And Matty Benedetto is one for the little guy. I still don't see, and we talked about it whenever they made the switch to Casey Kane this year. I don't know that Levine family racing has the parts in place inside the shop to take somebody else's equipment and make it really good. Because they're getting decent equipment from Childress. They're getting decent. I mean, they're getting Hendrick engines right now. And Hendrick engines, even though the Camaro isn't that great, the engines are still solid. And they're sitting back there running 25th to 30th. What was Casey King, 28th in points or something like that when he got sick? He was never doing well. I don't know if they have the internal workings 
to make this car special. And I still don't know where a transfer of which one's better or make any improvements. I thought they ran better with Michael McDowell. And I think Michael McDowell runs just as well in the 34 for Front Row Motorsports as he did in the 95 for Levine Family Racing. I don't see these. It's two driver changes in two years. They had a great, great combination with Todd Parrott, Michael McDowell, and Levine Family Racing was getting noticed. They got rid of Todd Parrott. Michael McDowell went somewhere else because they hired Casey Kane. They changed crew chiefs in the middle of the year for Casey Kane. They still haven't done anything. Casey King got sick. They went to Regan Smith. Now they're changing manufacturers and changing drivers again. I don't see the 95 doing anything special this year. But the people are, people are going to think, well, they got Joe Gibbs stuff. They better run great. I don't know if it's there. It certainly is an upgrade from Go Fast Racing, though, and, and that's what you like to see from DiBenedetto. It, it, to me, um, it just I, I love the drivers who love this sport so much, they'll do anything to stay in it, anything to, to just give me an opportunity, please. And if you give me an opportunity, you know, I'll prove that I belong in, in NASCAR, and DiBenedetto did that. I mean, it drives me crazy when you see kids say, well, I'm not going to take anything I can't win in. Okay, well, then see you later, because 100% of the time I've never heard a driver say that, and then get a big-time ride, or, or a ride that, that's very competitive in the Cup Series. And I think this could be DiBenedetto's most competitive ride by far. Uh, BK Racing certainly was a, a back-marker back team. Same thing with the 32. They're going to be a solo cooperation at 95 car as well, but certainly a step in the right direction for DiBenedetto in his career. Um, I'm dying to see who the crew chief for that team is going to be as well. Scott Graves, uh, which was another interesting move, John, which we'll talk about. Uh, Scott Graves is being replaced at the 19 card for the remaining six races of this season. Uh, Graves was the crew chief of the 19 with Daniel Suarez and is now out starting at Talladega. It's going to be Dave Rogers, who used to be the crew chief for Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin. Uh, he's been working in Rouse, or excuse me, he's been working at Joe Gibbs Racing's Xfinity Series program. Now will be the crew chief. Um, for six races on that 19 car. Now, uh, with Truex going there next season and possibly Cole Pern going there next season, um, I don't think that's anything but an interim basis for Dave Rogers, but I think that could be a step towards maybe Scott Graves looking at this 95 car and they're saying, hey, we we got to give them something. Maybe this is a start for Scott Graves to begin his tenure over at Levine Family Racing Uh we're still going to keep him in-house at Toyota in the Cup Series. Um, so he'll be over there because Cole Perns can be replacing him in the 19 anyway. Uh, what were your thoughts? Did you think the same way maybe on, on Scott Graves, who I think is a very good crew chief? Um, he, he won an Xfinity Series championship with Daniel Suarez, uh, and they had decent success. I mean, this was a guy who was at Roush. He was going to be the 17th crew chief, the 34 crew chief as well for a while. Uh, he's been coveted by a couple of big race teams, and um, I, I just don't see Toyota and, and JGR letting him get away. I think the 95 is his destination for 2019. Well, I can tell you there's other people in play because I bet you Chris Buescher would love to have him sitting on top of the box of the 37 because Chris Buescher and Scott Graves ran really well together when they were in the Xfinity Series with Roush Fenway Racing. Um, Daniel Suarez may want him to come with him if he ends up at the uh, – 
41 for Stuart Haas, which is the latest big rumor in the mill. Um, I don't know if Scott Graves is going to be in the 95. Um, he hasn't shown me anything as a crew chief at the cup level because um, Daniel Suarez, two years and he's out um, and hasn't really shown anything. I don't know if it's Scott Graves, the cars he's putting together. I mean, you look at Joe Gibbs Racing. Take away Kyle Busch. They're not that good this year. Eric Jones won Daytona and had a few moments where he's been in the sun. He's had his moment in the sun. Uh, Denny Hamlin's been out bunch all year. And Daniel Suarez had a couple moments of grandeur, but nothing spectacular. And he's been out to lunch most of the year. Wasn't even really in contention for having a chance to get into the playoffs. So I don't know if it's Scott Graves. I don't know if it's Daniel Suarez. I'm not sure Scott. I mean, we talked about it before whenever we've talked about some of the crew chiefs like Drew Blickensturfer. He somehow continues to get crew chief gigs, but never wins. And I'm thinking Scott Graves, Scott Graves may be in that category soon. That's interesting because, again, he was highly coveted as a young crew chief, up-and-coming crew chief, coming up into the Cup Series by both Rash and Joe Gibbs. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what, what goes on there. I think he's going to go to the 95 car for next season. Um, but we'll wait and see. 917-882. John, anything else uh, newsworthy here that you want to discuss uh, before we move on to, to breaking down Dover and Chase Elliott's second career Cup win? Um, the only one I can see, I mean, we still got a couple open seats out there. We had the Daniel Hemrick thing. We have the, um, 47 being filled by Ryan priest. We still got one really big domino to fall and that's that 41 car. And we still have the one car because Jamie McMurray has been said he's out, but, and the rumor has been going around for Kurt Busch for a month and you haven't heard anything. And one of the things that I feel is really interesting when it comes to the silly season part, after listening to uh, what happened today and also what Rick Hendricks said on Sunday at Dover is they expect to announce a new sponsor for Jimmy Johnson in the next month. I'm thinking that sponsor, whoever is possibly going to sign on the dotted line, I'm not sure. I think uh, the package is a little more enticing when you have Jimmy and Chad together than Jimmy and Kevin Mendering. Me as a, if I was going to run a business, I want two big names wearing my colors on their fire suits instead of Jimmy Johnson. Who's that guy? Huh? Where'd he come from? So that may be one of the, might be one of the sticking points whenever it comes to the sponsorship fund. I look at it, I'm sponsoring a whole team. And if I get two huge names, because Jimmy Johnson's name is synonymous with Chad Knauss. Chad Knauss is more well-known than half of the drivers in the field. And if I'm sponsoring a car, I want people that can represent my team. And I'm not sure if Kevin Mendering is going to be a big ticket to help sell the sponsorship that Chad Knauss would have been. And, uh, you know, we'll see if the sponsorship's tied to that or not. It's going to be interesting to see how that whole Hendrick Motorsports situation plays out. Um, this Sunday, this past Sunday, they got done running the Gander Mountains 400 at Dover International Speedway. 
Uh, it was a crazy race that really saw a, a strong performance from Stuart Haas Racing. At one point, Stuart Haas Racing was one, first, second, third, and fourth, all four of their race cars. It didn't end up that way. Clint Boyer had some issues. Uh, Eric Amarola had some issues, which we'll touch on. Uh, a loose wheel for Kevin Harvick, who had the dominant car of the day. And Kurt Busch ended up fifth. Harvick was able to battle back and finish sixth. But, uh, you know, a day that started off as good for Stuart Haas Racing didn't end so well. It ended with Chase Elliott in victory lane. Now, as I discussed, no doubt about it in my mind, and I think in everybody's mind, Harvick was the dominant car of the day. A loose wheel got him back, lost his track position, worked his way up to the field methodically, but was never able to get that track position back. I think if he got to the leader to the top three, he probably would have been able to win the race, but just was never able to do it. So Chase Elliott gets to victory lane, will lead the final a couple of laps, holds off Denny Hamlin. Uh, but for the most part, you know, it was a Stuart Haas day. Um, Eric Amarola had the lead. Going. Um, you know, the caution came out about two laps to go. If he, if it was a lap later, Eric Amarola was probably setting in victory lane. And unfortunately for him, it was his teammate who brought it out. A wheel hub issue with Clint Boyer on that lap. Boyer pitted prior to that. Thought they had the problem figured out and they were just going to ride it around because remember, he needs as many points as he possibly can get because he's in the playoffs as well. Um, and a bad day could totally derail his championship hopes. So Boyer went out there trying to make as many laps as he could. The wheel broke. He hit the outside wall, and it caused a caution. Amarola had to pit, um, tried to work his way up through the field, could not do it, and wrecked with Brad Keselowski and others, and it ended up with Chase Elliott and Victor Lane. So that caution with Clint Boyer happened um, with about excuse me seven laps to go, and the caution with Amarola with two laps to go. So it was a, a heartbreaking loss for Amarola, who I thought for sure, John, was en route to his first Cup Series victory in t- over three years and his first one on a non-restricted play track. Not to be, he ends up 13th. Yeah, it's one of those everything that could bite you in the butt, bitch you in the butt that day. Um, and from what everything has been said about the Clint Boyer incident at the end of the race, same problem Jimmy Johnson had at the start. A broken ball joint. I mean, a broken ball joint, and it basically ruined Clint Boyer's day. And by Boyer wrecking, and Boyer did what he was supposed to do. He went out and was trying to run every lap he could, because you look at the Roval. Whenever they came out of that, every point matters because there were three people tied for the twelfth for eleventh position, and Jimmy Johnson went home because he tried to win and wrecked, and he didn't have the higher highest finish of the bunch. Each point matters, so they were out there trying to get every point they possibly could in the Boyer car. Eric Alrola, I feel bad for him. He was leading. He had that race won, and it went away from him. And Kevin Harvick, I mean, his problem, I mean, how often do you have a lug nut come off and knock the valve stem off of a tire? And that's what happened to Kevin Harvick. They had to come back, put another tire on because the valve stem them broken he worked his way back through got a top 10 finish he leads in points um but as i was reading a little bit of jeff gluck earlier this evening this is kevin harvick's championship to lose they lead too many laps there are too many things that are going right with that car kyle bush's car isn't as fast as as it's been uh martin truex jr 
That team is trying to survive. They're trying to win one for Barney, but we're not sure that they have the um, – if Kyle Busch doesn't have the speed, Truex sure as hell doesn't. Keselowski's won a couple, but, I mean, I don't see – it's gonna something's going to have to beat Kevin Harvick for Kevin Harvick not to win this championship right now, the way they're running. Chase Elliott has put himself into this discussion because he won the road course at Watkins Glen. He won at Dover. He's been around. And to win, you must be around. You can't be sitting back there 15th, 20th place and expect that you're going to go from there to victory lane. Run the top five, which Chase Elliott has been doing lately. The breaks may happen for you, and you end up winning. And right now, if I was to go pick a final four right now, I'm going Harvick, Kyle Busch, because they have so many playoff points. They have to basically blow a race and a half, almost two full races, to not make the finals. Truex has stayed around. He hasn't done anything special, but he stayed around. And if you were to have me pick somebody today, it's Chase Elliott because he's been on a hot streak. He's run well since Watkins Glen. They have not been out to lunch in that in that nine car lately. So if that was to pick a final four, it would be that. It was a great win for Chase Elliott. They played the smart move. They stayed out on old tires. And we're able to hold off Denny Hamlin. And you got to give Denny Hamlin credit. Even though he wasn't in contention for the championship, he had a shot to win. But he ran Chase Elliott. He ran him clean. They weren't um, knocking each other into the wall or anything like that. Denny Hamlin raced him clean. Chase Elliott got the better start. They Chase Elliott wound up winning. Denny Hamlin got a second, which for that team this year is a win. Yeah. And he said, you know, the car wasn't handling very good and he still finished second, and they'll take it because he's had a lot of bad luck this year, for sure. And, you know, I read an article on NASCAR.com this week, which I was totally blown away by, saying Chase Elliott is now a favorite to win the championship in the Cup Series, which I think is totally, totally ridiculous. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's Harvick and Kyle Busch right now. Um, and there's not anything that really will, will change that mind until we get to Homestead. But I think the interesting thing to keep in mind is, for whatever reason, it seems like, we have not seen um, the big three really rear their head lately. Um, when you look at the big three, the only one to have won a race since Bristol on August on August 18th is Kyle Busch, who won at Richmond. You know, Harvick hasn't won since August 12th. That's going to be two months by the time we get to Talladega. Uh, Truex hasn't won since Kentucky on July 14th. That's going to be... Uh, three months by the time we get to Talladega. So, you know, with Kurt Busch's couple wins in there, Brad Kozlowski's couple wins in there, Ryan Blaney's win, Chase Elliott's win, it seems like it's been a while since the big three, which seems to sort of trade punches and trade wins there in the middle of the year. It's been a while since we've seen them win a, win a races consistently. Their, their, their momentum has has ceased, no doubt about it. I don't think they're they're – anywhere close to where they were um, to start the year. But that doesn't mean they're not fast. And Talladega is certainly a, an outlier here. I don't expect Talladega to change anything. I, I, you know, how I feel about the championship hopes. Um, I, I expect Kozlowski to run really good. And maybe he figures, figures a way out to get the victory lane and moves to the next round. And somebody, surprised, somebody doing that might be surprised. But that doesn't mean that, you know, the big three aren't going to advance to the final round at Homestead because I think they are. Uh, so with that being said, I, I certainly 
just curious if if we need to see these big three get momentum here. Now again, Talladega is completely out there, but I'm talking about Kansas and then Martinsville and Texas and Phoenix. A lot of Harvard, a lot of really good Harvard tracks. Um, I'm dying to see if, if they build up momentum to get ready for Homestead because it just seems like the big three has been sort of tailing off here, and it's not that the speed's been down. It's just been they've had some really weird situations. A valve stem knocked off the tire. Kyle Busch had a bunch of issues a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's just been a lot of really weird issues for the big three. They just haven't been able to capitalize and win races, and it's really hurt their momentum. Um, when it comes to the big three, Harvick has shown speed every week. It's not that they have been out to lunch on speed. That car has still been leading laps. It's been up in the top five on a regular basis. Truex's car has been a top 10 car most of the time, but somehow, some way, something screws up on pit road. Loose tire. A tire gets away. They sit the tire down waiting for the tire carrier to come, and the guy goes around, and it's not within arm's length of him. Kyle Busch has had some interesting things happen to him, but somehow, some way, Kyle Busch makes he, – he's, he's the one guy on a track I know that can take a 10th-place car and have a shot at a win just because he's Kyle Busch and the way he drives. Harvick can take a top five car and win with it. Truex, it's got to be a winning car to win. I haven't seen him take a car that was crap. I mean, if Truex wins, usually he dominates. Um, so right now, I don't see a problem with Harvick. I don't see a problem with Kyle Busch. I'm still not locked in on Truex making the final four. But I, I know Harvick and uh, Kyle Busch are going to be there because they have so many playoff points that nothing's going to touch them. I mean, you look, Harvick came out with the lead. Bush is second. I mean, granted, Chase Elliott's locked into the next round, but it'll almost take an act of God for uh, Harvick and Bush not to make the final eight. For sure. 917-889-8280 here talking circles. Clayton Call, John Harlow. That's the number to join a show like Lee in Virginia. Hello, Lee. How are you? I'm great, guys. How are you guys doing tonight? It's great to hear from you, Lee. Welcome to the show. What do you got to talk about? Well, I, I kind of wanted to touch on the points you guys were just making there about Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs Racing. You know, they've been extremely inconsistent, Kyle. You know, they were out to lunch at Dover last week. You know, it, they did not have a great run going at all in that in, at that race, and they've been they've been quite inconsistent here lately. Um, but you got to wonder too if these guys are taking it easy through the first couple of rounds of the big three. Um, knowing they have enough playoff points to make it through, knowing that, okay, as long as we don't screw up here and get wrecked at Talladega and, and have a, get caught up in something, somebody else's mess at one of these racetracks, they're most likely going to make it through to the next round. It's when you get to the round of eight and then obviously Homestead. Obviously the round of eight is going to be the big one where they're going to have to turn it on because only four cars make it through and they can't have bad rounds then. But they can have, a, they can have subpar first couple of rounds here and they think they knew that with all of the playoff points that they had i don't disagree with you lee and one of the things is you look at the once they get past the round of 12 and make it to the round of eight texas is good for harvick kyle bush and martin truex jr phoenix is kevin harvick's playground martinsville kyle bush learned a hell of a lot out of denny hamlin because he is really good around the the paper clip these days so those three guys, you're right. The round of eight lines up really well for them. And as long as they keep their nose clean at Talladega, 
They go to a mile and a half at Kansas, and all three of them have run really well at mile and a half all season long. They should be able to move into the next round pretty easy. If there's an outsider from the um, outside of the big three and Chase Elliott, who we know is already into the round of eight, who do you think is going to make it there, Lee? Who was gonna, who's the one that will surprise you, and who's the one that's not going to make it? Who's going to shock you? Somebody asked me this question uh, over the weekend that I said Chase Elliott before the win at Dover. I think that that team, um, you know, Alan Gustafson has been there before. I know Hendrick hasn't had a lot of speed, but they've been coming on lately. Um, and I think Chase is the best of the bunch there in the, in, in, at Hendrick Motorsports, no question about it. Uh, so I think Chase is the guy that kind of sneaks up there. I'm not too sold on Blaney. I know he had a great run at the Roval and won the race. But they've been extremely inconsistent. Um, listen, Almarola has been impressive. It's just what we saw at Dover from Almarola was Almarola, and that's the fact that he ran out of talent. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, Eric's a, Eric's a nice guy, and he's a good driver. He's not a great driver, and this is a this is full of great drivers. And if he thinks he's a great driver and wants to prove to me he's a great driver, go ahead and do it. I don't think he's a great driver, um, and I think he showed that on Sunday. Clint Boyer, that team just can't finish. I don't know what their deal has been, but lately that team has just been, you know, gotten caught up in other people's messes, has had bad luck, and they just have a tough time finishing. So, you know, it's tough for me to say the 14 can make it through, and Logano has been very inconsistent speed-wise. So I think you got the two in, in Keselowski and the nine there with Chase, who hasn't been blowing the doors off of anybody by any stretch but has been pretty consistent over the course of the of the time and getting solid top 10 finishes and that's what you'll need but uh to get to the to get to homestead. Yeah, I agree with you there, Lee. Um any any comments Lee from you on the the news of the day of of really uh Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss uh splitting up at the end of the year. Uh you know, we've seen this before in NASCAR history, one time seven-time championship winning crew chief and driver combination splitting up, and it was 1981 with Dale Inman and Richard Petty. Um, but what were your thoughts? Were you surprised by this? Did you kind of see this coming? And do you think it was the right move by Hendrick Motorsports? I had been hearing lately that the two have not been getting along, and, and trusted sources have told me that they weren't going to be together next year, and I laughed it off like we've done the previous six or seven times when we've heard that they have been, haven't been getting along. Uh, and so to, to see that news today, it was kind of a shock, and, and, and but you got to wonder, you know, okay, they're looking at Mendering as the future here. Kevin Mendering is going to be taking over for Chad uh, at the 48, and so they kind of want Jimmy to groom him, and then, uh, you know, Byron's obviously the future, and they want Chad to groom him. So it's kind of one of those things, who are they grooming now? Can they win while they're doing it? I don't think Jimmy Johnson's done winning races in this sport. Uh, is he going to be as dominant as he's been in the past? I'm not sure. But but I don't think he's done winning races. Um, will he get to 90 wins? I'm not even sure about that. But I think he'll get a few more. I don't think he's done. So it was an interesting move to see Mendering go there. Um, but I give Rick Hendrick credit in doing the shakeup and having the guts to pull it off because it's been a tremendous relationship over the, over the uh, 17 years it's been together. But I think everybody kind of sees now it's it's time. And we all expected the 48, I think, to kind of – get through and when they didn't we all went wow something's really off here um and and they still could have even with a win at the roll but i think we all knew that team wasn't going to win a championship this year and they didn't come on like the nine has 
the last couple of months, and I think we expected them to. So uh, I think it's going to be a change that it's going to be weird seeing the 48 and not seeing Chad Canals up on that hip box come Daytona, but uh, it's going to be something that to look forward to in 2019, no question. Hey, Lee, uh, you've been following the sport for a long time, and you've seen the pairing of Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals since they started in 2002. And Jimmy Johnson has seven championships, 83 wins. Um, Chad, Chad Knauss has seven championships and 83 wins. And a lot of times all you heard the sentence together, Jimmy and Chad, Jimmy and Chad. You can put a monkey in Chad Knauss' car and it'll win. Oh, no, Jimmy Johnson's got all this talent. He can find spots on the track. Of the two of them, as they split up, who do you think will be more successful out of the gate? Ooh, that's a great question. I'm going to say, and this is going to shock you, I'm going to say Jimmy Johnson. And I think the reason why that is is because I think William Byron has a lot more room to grow than Kevin Mendering does. Mendering's been in the Xfinity Series for a couple of years. He's had a ton of success with – well, not a ton of success, but some success with with, uh, Elliott Sadler there in the Xfinity Series. And so, to me, Byron, in his rookie season in the Cup Series last year, ran one year in Xfinity, he's still got a lot of room to grow. And so I think out of the gate, Jimmy Johnson's going to have more success because I think you, Mendering doesn't have that much room to grow to become great. I think it could be something that could be successful early on next year. I think it might take Chad and William Byron uh, a couple of months, maybe even half the year to get going. My fear is what might happen here is what happened to Greg Zipadelli once Tony Stewart left and he got Joey Logano. He never returned to that magic. I hope that doesn't happen for Chad Canals, but that's my fear with this situation. Yeah, it's something John touched on earlier in the show, Lee, for sure. Uh, how about Di Benedetto going to Levine family? Um, what, were your, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, i got to give Matt a lot of credit. Uh, he took a flyer on himself and put himself out there, and if this card doesn't get any better than it is right now in the 95, it was well worth it, uh, making the move from the 32. They're already way better than the 32 ever could be right right now. And they're aligning with Gibbs and going to Toyota and getting a better engine in that car next season. So I I believe it's going to be better. How much? It's yet to be seen. You know, we don't know who the crew chief is going to be on that team next year either. You know, John Leonard's there now, doesn't have a lot of experience. I think if you bring in a guy like Matthew Benedetto, who's a great driver, but doesn't have the experience of winning, I think you've got to kind of look for bringing a crew chief that has had some success. We'll see what Bob Levine does with that organization. He may just try and keep John Leonard and, and not, you know, and spend all of his money on aligning with Gibbs and doing what it takes to get that done and not pay Benedetto and not pay a big-time crew chief. They could still be pretty successful then, but I think if you brought in a crew chief that's had some success, a la Adarian Grubb, uh, I think it could be a lot more beneficial for D. Benedetto because not saying he can't do it, but he hasn't done it yet. For sure. Lee, thanks so much for joining the show and calling in next time. Good night, guys. Good night. Uh, final words, John, here before we wrap up. Um, Talladega, I wish they'd uh, bulldoze it and make it a three-quarter mile track like Richmond or Iowa, but it's a crapshoot the way it's been going lately. Team Penske has found a way to victory lane the last how many times at Talladega. It's either going to be a Penske car, Eric Almarola, or Clint Boyer. That's who's going to win at Talladega. 
It's going to be a wild, wild day at Sunday like it always is at Talent Day. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking in Circles. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.